folks, my Yidin, my Mishpoche, Shalom Aleichem. For all my Goyim, listen, hey, it's the weekend, we are here. Let's enjoy, let's kick it off, let's ponder. And I'm going to get right to it because I actually went to Indigo. And uh, that's what's going to kick off all of this Chochmah. Also, you can, you can, uh, yeah, actually it's a lot of Indigo stuff. And then there's a little bit of podcast stuff, a little TikTok tidbit. And that'll be it for today. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. So, because I go eat breakfast at my father's every Wednesday morning, just because I don't have clients and stuff and I like to see family, on the way home is Indigo. And I love popping in. So, there are some books I actually decided to open up, and there are some good tidbits in these books. This one, it was called Ask a Philosopher by Ian Olasov. And let's see what Ian has to say. So when people ask, is it ethically okay to have children? When the world is going to shit, is that ethical? The author of this book says, you know, he says, sorry, I I typed this all funky. He says you should first ask the question, is life worth living in general? You'll find some people will say no because of mental illness and other issues despite living in a peaceful time. The same way the handful of people will say, yes, it is worth living right now. So this author, she deems that because people say this today, but people will also say the same thing during crisis in the world, then it, it still is subjective, but that's kind of an argument to say everyone will think that there's a peaceful time all the time. Because at every point ever in history, there will be people with mental illnesses and people without now, this also relates to hedonic adaptation, right? That we just get used to things no matter how bad they are. Unless the contrast is way too radical. But it is, it's a fitting question for this day and age. Like, is it worth having kids when the world is getting way worse? But then again, we're at the most peaceful time in history. <laughs> and yeah, one could argue life is always worth living. One could argue not. So, And like they say, mental health issues will always be around. And that's why you'll have contrasting answers all the time. No matter how bad or how peaceful things are. And that was the takeaway I took from that book. I moved on and found one that was very clickbaity called Quit Like a Millionaire. And I actually really liked this because it taught me what I was taught when I read The 4-Hour Workweek, which I've never, I don't think I've ever done a book summary on that, but no need, really. This book actually encapsulates one of the main takeaways I got from 4-Hour Workweek, which is that haters are going to hate on you because it makes them question their lives. And what, I, what they mean in the book here, it's you're making people reflect on themselves. Like when you do something, it forces someone to look at their life and that's painful. And so when someone's in pain, which they're hurt, they are going to make you go into pain because that helps ease their pain. (laughs) Misery loves company. Now I like this quote because people who are insecure about their life will challenge and question, but even people who are very secure in their own life will question it too. Now you can't judge them, remember that, because you aren't them. You don't know their experience and DNA. If you were the same person with the same DNA, you would say the same thing. So you can't not love them. And so you can't judge. It's like I said last episode about jumping into a movie halfway through. Nothing makes sense. You wouldn't understand it. Of course, you're going to judge people for what they're doing. You don't understand their story. Just like people don't understand your story. And I hope that alone helps you stop judging the future. This is crazy. Get this. A strong unconscious emotional pattern might manifest as an external event that appears to just happen to you out of nowhere. But that was a really strong unconscious pattern. And so now just all of a sudden became conscious. And you're like, oh, that was random. No, it wasn't. Nothing really is random. 
This is powerful, right? So many people who pity themselves or wallow in their own self-pity, they don't realize they're controlled by their emotions. They're seeing the world with a lens, uh, a specific lens, hence manifesting a perception of reality. Because what you think about, you focus on, and you will start seeing things in the world that you think about. That's called the Bader-Meyhoff phenomenon. And so you literally will start shaping your world because of the biases. There was another book called Fake Money by Robert Kawasaki. Kawasaki, I don't know. And this guy made Rich Dad Poor Dad and a bunch of, in the the cash flow quadrant. He made a bunch of stuff. And this book I could not put down. It was so cool. Like he was telling you how just every the, the monetary system's a bit of a lie, and we're all just kind of <laughs> agreeing to the value of stuff. Like it's one big agreement. And yeah, he's saying there's two sides. Oh, he's saying it's false that there are two sides to every coin. There are not two sides to every coin, people. There are three sides. Remember that the edge is a side, and a person should be able to look at both sides of a problem or situation and still maintain the ability to function. Remember that you should be able to look at both sides of an equation or a problem and still maintain the ability to function. You should always be able to see both sides of every situation, and that's what he's talking about. Our financial system. Is don't get stuck on one side. It's like look at everything with the big picture. It was really cool. He said back when Nixon was president, he took gold off of the our uh, backed security system. So like that means the American dollar was no longer backed by gold and it didn't reflect the value anymore. And at that day, he says money was was a fallacy. He says at that day money was false. It doesn't exist anymore. It was fake. It was all just a hyped-up belief system like the tulips were, and so, so he says like it's one big lending game. That's why like he loves debt because you might as well if people are all gonna believe in this makeup made-up thing, you might as well just leverage as much of it as possible. Since you know if you lose it all, you're bankrupt. You don't owe anyone anything because nothing money doesn't exist. Like it's kind of interesting, and uh, it makes me kind of like crypto, but. As we speak right now, crypto is down big. It's never been this low since I've invested in it, and it's not as low as it was in the summer. But who knows what happens?、Um, I've just been buying dip after dip, thinking it will go back up, and it doesn't. And we'll see how long I can handle this. <laughs> But yeah, that book was awesome. Just constantly talking about these issues with the monetary system, and the central banks as well. Anyways. I left that place, started listening to some podcasts, and I, I liked some of the things in these podcasts. Here's one little tip from Bigger Pockets, real estate investing podcast. It's called "Having a Wolf by the Ear." It's a concept that you cannot let go of the wolf, or it's going to bite you. But holding on to it also holds you back from your best life. And this is really powerful, like really powerful. Think of the things that it's like the golden handcuffs analogy. You're floating by. Things are okay. But you don't realize you're actually tied down. You don't realize what you're holding on to. You've got the wolf by the ear, and that's why you have to create systems in your life, make things passive, so you don't have to be tied down. You don't rely on anything, and just it's okay to think ahead sometimes, as long as it doesn't turn to anxiety. Make a plan. When you have a plan, sometimes there is no anxiety. Then you can focus on the future because it's just you know the trajectory. Anyways, on TikTok, if you want to really hate school. A great way to do that is to leave things till the last minute, <laughs> and you can replace the word school with job, life, whatever. The act of leaving things to the last minute leads to panic and stress, aka negativity. So now, when you think of school, you think of negativity, or when you think of life, or you think of your job, you think of negativity. 
So just be careful. Don't leave things to the last minute. Easier said than done. Now, I also understand some people really thrive because of Parkinson's law. They, the time you're given to do something is the time it will take. Sometimes people thrive on last minute work. But just never forget that, people. Never forget that the, you know, the never forget the longer you're given to do something, the longer it will take. And the shorter you're given to do something, the shorter it will take. The essay is called for the next night. You're going to do it in 24 hours. If the essay is called for a year from now, it's going to take you almost a year. And now, I don't know if I want to talk about Power of Now because that I'm, I'm done all that random stuff. Technically, I'm right at chapter one here. Hmm. Should I do it? Should I start Power of Now with y'all? I know what you're thinking. You're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. Why not? We'll jump into chapter one. We're at the eight minute mark. And then uh, if there's a shorter podcast, a shorter podcast. All right, let's do it. So by the way, everyone, this book, I really do have to hype this book up. This book, one of the best I think I've ever read. And that's relatively speaking. Like I remember the feeling of having my mind blown with other books. I don't think I've ever come to a realization such as this one, to be honest. Uh, i honest with you. And I've talked to people who read this as well, because this is the number one New York Times bestseller. Constant number one. I'm talking it, almost every year it keeps being a number one. And people are like, yeah, it was pretty cool, you know, but it's pretty deep. And I'm like, wait, 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 this didn't hit you the same way? Like, you haven't stripped your identity and your ego? And they're like, eh, not really. Some of it was over my head. And I'm like, and, and yeah, some of it takes a, a second to digest. Folks, get your hands on power now if you want to live a peaceful life. That, I'm making a blatant statement. If you want a peaceful life, read power now. Yeah. Goodness. Well, let's do this. I'm, I'm really excited. This is going to be probably like a six part. There's so many notes. I'm not done the book yet, but this is the beginning of, uh, it's going to take me multiple episodes to cover this. Um, before I do get into the nitty gritty, I guess just so far, like the overall vibe is literally, we are the observer. That is the thesis of this book. You're the observer. You are not the body that you are aware of, and you are not the thoughts that that you're aware of. Even when I say you, I, me, my, when I use these labeled words, every word I use, they are just signposts for actual truth, true essence. If you're wondering what I mean, the same way that there's a sign saying park, that sign is not the park. The park is the park. But we don't know that unless we see that sign. So when I say I am walking, really, that's a signpost for my awareness is this, sorry, I'm aware of this vessel that I'm borrowing, this meat suit walking through the park. And I'm aware of the words that I've been taught to say and the thought I'm having as I speak. Like those, those are real, um, well, yeah, it's signposts. These are when we use these words, they're just signposts for what's real. I, me, my, the thoughts aren't ours. That's not real. They can be destroyed. They can be created. Our body's not real. That our body can be destroyed and created. Therefore, we create names for it. We construct it. Therefore, what's real is my consciousness beyond the observer. That was never destroyed. That was never created. That was there before the Big Bang. 
that's why he deems and this is not a religious book but he deems like anyone who is religious this is where people start saying you know god's in us now i you know me i personally don't believe in a god i don't believe in a creator but whatever that thing was before the big bang where there were no labels no one could define it there were no stories behind stuff there were no human constructions there was no construction from a conscious thing at, at all that's real that was that's real because it can never be destroyed never created this is why death and birth don't exist they're constru- constructions we've constructed those thoughts we're borrowing those thoughts just like we borrow everything else that's why death and uh, birth don't exist because tr- real things cannot be destroyed or created and so there that's kind of the gist is to be the observer because nothing's real be the observer because things are borrowed chapter one starts off with saying concepts labels images words judgments and definitions they all block your true relationships it comes between you yourself between you and your fellow people between you and between you and god or whatever you think god is but the key is it becomes those concepts i'll say it again the concepts the labels the images the words judgments they come between you and your fellow people and yourself they block that true relationship that communion now i believe that um when you observe you are liberated when you truly detach that's liberating there's no stories to be created anymore Eckhart Tolle deems thinking has become a disease. Uh, disease happens when things get out of balance. There's nothing wrong with cells dividing and multiplying, but when it continues, what we have is disease. So your mind is superb. It's an instrument that when used correctly, it helps people help, you know, it really does make things better when used right. It's a tool. Now, when used incorrectly, it's extremely destructive. I'm I'm talking about your mind. A lot of us are slaves to our inner voice. That thing that talks for us in our head. You need to be watching the thinker. So that voice, that thinker, watch that thinker. Watch it. Be the observer. Eckhart Tolle, he talks about getting into a gap of no mind this is the time between two thoughts when you aren't thinking about anything that's the gap get in that gap and you do that by being present with your body and just being present in general learn to meditate but you can be meditative even when you're talking like right now i'm i'm thinking about that gap and and it's hard to explain you it's hard to explain because once you start explaining and talking like the gap kind of disappears and and even like mid thought right now i can still be aware of what I'm saying and then that's where I am that that presence is there you know what I mean I'm not thinking about my next thought I'm just thinking about what's coming out of my mouth but uh, yeah he mentions this is not a lowering of your consciousness but actually increasing your consciousness and not as pure peace when you're in the moment between two thoughts I don't know what he means by that to be honest with you like when he says when he says increasing your consciousness and not as pure peace when you're in the in the moments between thoughts. Oh, oh, he's saying the pure peace is the moment between thoughts, but you're not you're not there when you're conscious. This is a really cool fact, people. So 
it wasn't through mind, it wasn't through thinking that the miracle of this of life on earth or your body being created or and sustained. It wasn't through mind or thinking that your body was created and sustained. There is clearly some intelligence at work far greater than our mind. Okay, think about the human cell measured at one one thousandth of an inch in diameter. It contains instructions within a DNA that would fill a thousand textbooks, 600 pages each. Just that one cell. Now, that's just one cell. (laughs) The more we learn about the body, the more we realize the vast intelligence at work within it. He then goes on to say life is inevitable pain, and I've talked about willful suffering lots, but notice I didn't put any connotation on that, right? And neither does Eckhart Tolle. I talked with friends about how life is also willful suffering. Oh, okay, I said that, but... And here I'm just paraphrasing, because, yeah, don't worry. I'm not trying to say, like, I thought of that. I'm saying Eckhart Tolle said there is no connotation on that statement, that life is inevitable pain. No connotation there. And I agree with him. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. You guys know the willful suffering thing. We got to frame pain. Reframe it in a good way. In Live Like a Monk, Jay Shetty, he talks about dissociating your emotional pain with your physical state. Okay, this is why you see people walking across hot coals, doing ice baths. People can dissociate their physical state for the mental and emotional state. And I do this all the time now. I practice when like I stub my toe or I hit my hand on something, or hit my head. I'm thinking like that hurts, but I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm actually quite happy, but just my body hurts right now. The two don't coincide. And you'll see this. Think of sports. You see an athlete gets hurt, but their team scores or they score and they limp off, They're, they seem kind of okay, even though it's a bad injury. And then you look the opposite. Sometimes the injury is not that bad, but the team loses or they don't win the, the play. They stay on the ground. They're more hurt. They don't get up because they're sad. They've tied the emotion to what happened. And that is chapter one. Chapter two, the way out of pain. Uh, I can't wait. Like, uh, there's so many good notes I have here. And uh, let's. I can't wait to dive into this book. Like, this book brought so much nachos. I'm almost done incredible it really has changed my life and now i've thought about it i think live like a monk psycho cybernetics the four agreements and power of now i'm going to keep those four books and i'm just going to like rotate through them every year i think you know and i'll just keep doing that and they'll, they'll almost be like my bibles that i just have forever uh who knows that might switch but for now those are the books that really resonate with me anyways i'm gonna cut it short here chapter two is next i can't not wait i cannot wait see you later Rate five stars, review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. If you're on Spotify, share this. Podbean, share it. Everything, share it. Tell someone if they want to get self-improved to hit this podcast up. And uh, God, this is so much fun. Anyways, take care, everyone. Shalom Aleichem, and have a good weekend. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom.